0: I've matched into anesthesiology,
1: John. What does it take to get into the residency of your dreams when it seems like all the odds are stacked against you? Welcome to the Road to Residency podcast with your host, John Arshadi. This is the show where we break down inspiring personal journeys of passionate physicians who had the courage and the commitment take purposeful action to achieve their goals and serve their communities. Hey podcasters, welcome back to another episode of the Road to Residency podcast. I'm John Arshadi and I'm here with a dear friend and former student of mine, Dr. Monica Arndt. I met Dr. Arndt at Kaplan Medical where she was studying for Step 2. She's an IMG from Brazil. She graduated in 2010 and I'm proud to announce that she matched into the program of her choice in the specialty of her choice. And she's here to tell you a story. Monica, great to have you on the show. How are you doing?
0: Thank you so much for having me, John. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm doing great.
1: Good. It's it's a pleasure having you. So tell us a little bit about your story.
0: Yeah. So um, I did all my medical schooling in Brazil. I graduated in 2010. And I had the intent of coming uh, to the United States to do my residency here. However, at the time, I didn't uh, have the financial means to do so. So I developed a five-year plan to work and gather the money to be able to do that. Uh, it took a little longer. It took two years extra. It took me seven years. And when I finally did that, moved to Chicago to get uh, Prepared to take the the steps and take the boards and apply.
1: And so, how was that transition coming from Brazil to the USA?
0: Right. It was it, actually because I was an exchange student here when I was sixteen. Uh, the mm. U.S. has been uh, home to me for the longest time now. Right. But still, it was very interesting learning about. Uh, the new the the American system, the the way they do things completely different from they are in Brazil. Um you know, all the, the in the particular things about the American system, it was very interesting getting acquainted with it.
1: Sure. So when you came back and you decided that you wanted to take the US MLEs and, and apply, how long did that entire process take you from the time that you decided to the time you got your ECFMG certification? How did that go? Uh,
0: Right. Uh, it took me about a year and a half, John, uh, to get ready for step one, take step one, step two, uh, CK, and then step two CS. And, uh, I thought it was, I thought it was um, a good time, not too long, not too little. I think it, it gave me the time to prepare, uh, fairly well.
1: Yeah. A year and a half is actually great for all three steps. Uh, it's pretty good. And which step did you find the most difficult?
0: Um, I think in terms of difficulty, all the, the steps are, they have their inherent difficulties, but in terms of challenging for me, I think step one was, uh, far m- more challenging, mainly because I still had to learn how to get prepared for, for the task, how to study, how to, uh, to do the 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 questions, how to you know learning the way they they place the words and everything right. uh, so step one was definitely the the one the one that was most challenging for me
1: yeah, and did you take them in order or did you take them out of order?
0: uh yes i I, I took step one first and then step two c k and step two c s It's funny because right after I took step one. I, for, for for a time now, I, there I thought maybe I should have step should have taken step two CK first because I I had already been practicing and I you know the the clinical knowledge was fresh in my mind but then afterwards after taking step two CK I realized it really is best to do step one and then step two CK because the foundation that you get with the knowledge that you need for step one really is preparing you for step two ck as well so if you do well for step one whenever step two ck comes along time to take it it really is just polishing here and there and seeing different perspectives on it but then you already you're ready in terms of the the basis that you need
1: you're right and the reason i ask that is because i have a lot of students who you know ask me can i take step two ck first or is there any particular order I need to take the exams in? And I give them the same advice. I actually, myself, I took CS first and then CK and then step one. And looking back, I would have preferred if I took step one before I took step two CK because I think I would have had a deeper breadth of knowledge, and which would help helped me for CK. Right. Yeah. All right. So for people who are just, you know, they're just starting now, what would you advise them in terms of study tips and strategies is so there any particular material that, that stood out to you that you found was most effective or any particular study method?
0: Right. That's a great question, John. So if I if someone came up to me and said, um, how'd you do it? I would tell them, number one, studying can't be passive. You can't just read it and go do the questions. You need to do it actively. You need as you read it, ask yourself questions. Squeeze yourself to see if you, if you know it, to see if you really learn the content, uh, what you really need to know. Uh, people always joke around in terms of where should I study? There are countless books out there to prepare you for the steps, and I think they're all great. But what you the one that you really need to know, people joke around, is the Bible for the steps, and it really is, is uh, first aid. You need to know first aid from front to back, back to front. You need to know it really well. Read it as many times as you need to really grasp the material. And as you're reading it, go doing questions every day. I particular uh, would advise to do at least 10,000 questions because it, it may sound a lot, but that's the only way you can really see all the different ways they can ask the questions. I particularly use the three different uh, Q banks that I really, it, I really liked. One was RX and I would advise to take them in this order. RX and then Kaplan's and then U World. I think U World at the end will give you the final, um, polishing of information that you may, you may need. And after, in specifically for you, world, after you do a, a first time of doing all the questions, go back and do again two or three times the questions that you got wrong. I think that will give you a really good understanding and a good perception of, um, as of where you are. And a good way to test yourself, well, am I ready? Am I not ready? Do take the NBMEs. I think they are, um, they, they correlate fairly well to how, um, you're probably going to do on on the real test day
1: right i absolutely agree with you and i I advise as well to to do a minimum of about five to seven thousand questions which equates to around two to three cubits um so ten thousand questions is perfect actually in my opinion
0: it was i i thought it was uh it gave me a really good foundation john i felt like Mm -hmm. um when you think you grasped everything, they go ahead and they change the wording, and you, you realize there's room for improvement here or there. So, right, I definitely would recommend doing that. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Good. All right. So, what other obstacles or challenges came up other than the U.S.
0: Well, the process is is uh, it's a little longer than just the steps. The other parts of actually applying. Uh, They had their difficulties itself, putting the application together, putting all everything that you have accomplished in your medical career together in a way that is interesting to the programs to read, Uh, preparing myself for the interview seasons. And um, each individual step has its peculiarities, its its difficulties. And um, what I would advise is For putting your application together, for preparing for the interview seasons, seek for advice. Go ask for help. Have as many people uh, look at your application, give you hints, give you perceptions, give you opinions. Um, The same for preparing for interviews. Have somebody else interview. Get yourself acquainted with the questions that the programs might ask you. Get yourself fully ready to it so whenever it comes uh, to the time that you're actually there, you don't get caught up with something that you weren't prepared for. Right.
1: So what would you suggest for somebody who's starting the application process right now for the 2021 match? What should they start out with? What's the first thing they should do?
0: Right. Um One of the best things I think you can do uh, when you're deciding to apply to a program is really know your programs, research them, um, try to get as much information as you can about a program to really make an informed decision in terms of I want to go there. And so when you're in front of the program director and he's asking you questions, you really have um, sincere honest answers to say, this is why I really want to come to your program. And then start early. Go beyond uh, researching your program. If you can schedule a tour at the school you want to go to, go introduce yourself. See if they have opportunities for you to get engaged in that program, either through research or through uh, volunteering or through Um, rotations that you can do there in any way that you can get yourself introduced and known by the program. So once it comes to the point where they're interviewing you for an actual position in their residency program, they'll look at you and say, I know you. I've, you know, we already got to know each other. I already know a little bit of your personality. I already know a little bit of your background. You're not a stranger anymore. You're, you're not going to raise concerns as to being someone they've never seen.
1: For sure. Absolutely. And I have a lot of students who, you know, they just started out and they come up to me and ask, you know, what do I, I want to do the networking. I want to get U.S. clinical experience or observerships, but I just don't know where to start. How do, how do you suggest people get started in networking and conferences? Where do they even, what's the first step?
0: Yes, Absolutely. Conferences are a great way for you to start networking. Um I I, I would definitely recommend looking for the specialty that you're interested in, uh, seeing they usually have several conferences throughout the year. Go there, introduce yourself, take your personal card uh or your resume with you, hand them out. Um Try, try to talk to people a little bit because I think that really opened uh, a lot of doors. Go knock at, at hospital doors. Go ask for opportunities. Start, your, start getting to know people in the field so you can ask for opportunities to get to know their service, to be part of their, to do rotations with them or to even um, do grand rounds with them. Uh, just be part, just show that you're interested and, and put yourself out there to be known, to get to be known.
1: Yeah, and one of the things that I did was I actually went through and I looked for all the hospitals in my area, and I called each one of them. And, you know, I, I said, this is who I am, this is what I want to do, I want to come in for an observership." and you know, you're know, you going to get a bunch of no's, so you have to be prepared for that. But eventually, you'll get a yes. And once you get a yes, you can use that program as leverage to call up the next program and say, hey, I just got done rotating at this hospital, I would like to come meet you and your team and just go from there. So I think that's one of the best ways to get started.
0: Absolutely. I think, uh, especially for mm-hmm. IMGs, sometimes people tend to think uh, programs are skeptical about IMGs for whatever reason. The main reason is because they don't know, they don't know you. Uh, with the, the medical students that have been in their service, They've known those kids for the past four years. They know how they study. They know their personality. They know how well they get along with each other. And if you give yourself the opportunity to to start getting yourself introduced in a service, that's what you're going to do. You're going to give them the opportunity to see uh, what kind of person you are, how easy it is to work with you, how well qualified you are medically to be a good investment in the future should they decide to uh, choose you for one of their very select positions. So really what I would advise, start networking, get yourself known from the very beginning, very early, as you're starting to prepare for step one, start getting yourself known, go participate in um, activities related to the specialty that you want. So once it comes to the point of interview season, you're not a stranger. Your name has been heard, and they know you, and they will be interested in get to know for a little further about you.
1: I agree. I agree. And speaking of what specialty you want, we didn't tell our listeners what specialty did you match into.
0: Yes, uh, I matched into anesthesiology, John. That was my my specialty of choice. That's what I wanted to do.
1: That's excellent. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. And did you apply to any other specialties as backup?
0: I did not, John. And sincerely, I would not recommend people doing that. I see a lot of people do that say, well, what I really want, let's say, is uh, surgery, but I'm also going to do internal medicine because I want to make sure I match. Right. Program directors have been doing this for 10, 15, 20 years, they know people that are committed with the specialty and they'll they'll feel that in you. So yeah. don't go for a backup. Go for what you really want. If you if you really want OBGYN, you want you really want cardiology, you really want nephrology, really go for what you want. Go for the specialty that you really want to do. Uh invest all your your cards don't sit there and apply to a million programs just to try to give yourself an advantage really invest yourself in that because the programs will sense that in you and your commitment to the specialty will show
1: i totally agree with you people ask me should i apply to multiple specialties all the time and and i don't think you should i think you should just apply to the specialty that you really want to go for because It's funny how our minds work subconsciously. If I have a backup plan, if I say, okay, well, I could do this just in case, I'm telling myself internally that, you know, I'm this might not happen for me. I'm already giving myself negative feedback. And so statistically, what they've seen is that people who have that backup plan, they reach goal A or option A a smaller percentage of the time, you know, than people who just have that one goal and that's all they're going to take.
0: Yes, that, that I, I absolutely agree with you, John. I think when you have that mindset of, I need a backup, it, it, deep inside it means you don't really believe that you can get this done, that you can, that you can actually do it, and you can. Uh, you're in the medical field. You, you have been prepared. You're coming here to take your steps and to apply. Believe in yourself because you can do it. Invest yourself. Study hard. Um, by the way, I would advise people to choose six days of the week and invest at least 12 hours every day to it. Study hard, sit down and study, read as as much as you can, do as many questions as you can. Uh, take that one day off where you can relax, where you can do other activities, where you can go get yourself introduced in the field that you can do networking or that you can just relax and, and, and take some time off. But keep your eye on the ball. Stay committed and you can do it. Focus on the specialty that you want and, and go after it.
1: Yeah, it's important to take that day off because if you don't you're you're gonna reach burnout a lot faster than if you if you do. So I'm glad you said that.
0: And it's easy to get there. Absolutely. It it, it can get overwhelming. It really can't, but um if you do it calmly and you keep you keep focused on the goal that you want to reach, I think after you're there, you won't even remember it.
1: Absolutely. So how did it feel when you got that email saying, congratulations, you matched? What was the, the emotion that was going on in your mind?
0: That's a great question. It was funny because um, the, the email was supposed to come in at 10 in the morning. So I'm sitting there waiting for it. And the email actually came at 9.56. So when I opened it, I wasn't really thinking that's what it would be. I thought it was just some random communication from them. And when I saw the the words, I was just completely shocked. And I just bursted out crying. I was so happy. I was in such joy and and. Oh, my gosh, I felt incredible. Like, it was the best thing I've ever felt. It was just amazing.
1: I love that. Uh, and I hear that story over and over again, and I never get sick of it, you know, uh, the feeling that people get when they see that that match.
0: It's just so – I think it is just so great to think I put in all this effort, and it paid off. Um, I, I invested myself. I gave everything I had and I, I got to where i wanted to be so i it's just so rewarding you can't find the right words to define it but it's like at that minute you forget everything every challenge every hardship you went through and then in, in your mind your mind is just smiling thinking of the the career and the great challenges you have ahead
1: that's excellent how many programs did you apply to overall
0: John, I applied to a hundred programs. Um, I, in a lot of people that applied to anesthesiology, choose the path of applying to uh, transitional year, preliminary year and, um, applying to categorical and advanced programs. I chose to right. only apply to categorical programs and, mm-hmm. um, it was a much smaller number than people usually applied to. I see a lot of uh, peers applying to 400, 300, 400 programs. I right. only applied to 100. But it, it was entirely focused exactly on what, what I wanted to do.
1: Absolutely. And we said earlier that you, you matched into the program of your choice. What made you choose that program?
0: Um. One, because of the quality of the service they have, they have a strong research background, which I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. And it's really it's really renowned and a very well qualified program.
1: Excellent. So thinking back on everything, from the time that you graduated and you took the US. Summileses and you applied for a match interview, If you had to do it all over again, is there anything that you would do differently or anything that you would streamline You think you could do it better the second time around?
0: Absolutely, John. That's a great question. If I can go back and do it all over again, what I would do different is I would, let's say money wasn't an issue. I would have taken the steps throughout my medical schooling in Brazil, just like the, the kids do here. Mm-hmm. And I would have applied immediately right after I got out of medical school because uh, the fresh medical s- student is something that the programs look
1: for—that
0: right. uh, you're really involved, that you, you that you didn't start working or that you didn't start doing other things and, and, and got lost in the track somewhere there. So I really would have um, applied immediately, but let's say I couldn't do it like I I couldn't and I I had to do it like I did, I would have started networking. The minute I got to the States, I would have started getting myself known. I would have uh, gone to to services to start volunteering, to start getting myself known much sooner than I did. I think that would have helped me even further if I had done so.
1: Right. Absolutely. There's this term that's thrown a lot, around a lot, and I'm sure you've heard of it, IMG-friendly. Do you think that's a real thing, or is that just a myth? Or And should people even be looking for IMG-friendly hospitals?
0: Right. That's a great question. It is a real thing. It's not It's not that the programs don't want you because you're not from here. They when, when they see a student, an IMG student, what they're thinking is how good the medical school that kid went through was, um, is that how good is it to work with that kid? How well prepared is he? Uh, is, this, is this person going to be a good investment for my program? I want my program to excel and to do great and, and, and get um, further and further qualified. Is this person going to be a good fit? So a lot of programs are skeptical about IMGs because it, it's, it's more of a liability than going for a student that they've known for the past four years. But what I would advise is, if you have seen a program, and even if the program doesn't say that they are IMG friendly, don't limit yourself. If that's the program that you really want, you are an IMG, and that's the program that you really want, go for it. Don't limit yourself. I didn't limit myself in the programs that I applied to in being IMG friendly. And um, a lot of the programs where I, I interviewed had no comment in terms of being IMG friendly or not. So I wouldn't limit myself to that. If that's what you really want, show the program that you're interested, start communicating with the program as early as you can and go forward.
1: That's great. I totally agree with that. And so do you have any tips for students who are just starting to write their personal statements or getting LORs? How can they spruce up their personal statements and make them more professional and as well as their LORs? How, what can they tell their attendings to write for them to make them stand out?
0: Right. Absolutely. Number one, when you're writing your personal statement, don't make that a one day kind of thing. This is something that has to be read and reread and rewritten quite a few times. So this is going to be a process that you're going to work on for two, three months there until you get to a a personal statement that is concise, that is getting your message across. And that's really showing who you are. Get as many qualified eyes to look at that letter as many as you can. Ask for advice, see people's perception on it, especially if you could get program directors or um, attendings that are involved in the, um, selection committee, get qualified people to look at your personal statement, because this is really important. Some schools don't value as much, some schools value it a lot. So you can't afford to have a a weak document. You you have to have a, a strong first presentation of yourself. When I was in my interviews, my personal statement was mentioned in, in, Quite a few of them. Uh, I remember you said this. I remember you said that. So that shows me that they really went through. They really read the whole thing. And um, in terms of letters of recommendation, really put yourself when you when you're doing your rotation, when you're participating in whatever hospital activity, give 100% of yourself. Talk to your attendings. Uh, if the person, whoever you feel comfortable asking for a letter of recommendation and, uh, think the, 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 the facts that you think that are most important and, and mention to them, is it possible to mention this? Is it possible to mention that a lot of attendings are very open. They've been where we are, so they will receive it well and they can help you out in great ways. A good, a good letter of recommendation will take you far.
1: Yeah, and I have a lot of students who, you know, they, they come to me and say that I want to get this letter of recommendation from these attendings, but I don't know how to ask them. Can I, can I ask them for a strong letter? Should I ask them at all? Do I just wait for them to give it to me? And my answer is this. I mean, these guys have been doing this for years. They expect to write a letter for you if you're doing an observership or a clerkship with them. Um, they know the process, so they're expecting to write it anyways. So don't be afraid to ask them for it.
0: Absolutely. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Just go ahead and, say, and, and you know, even though you're feeling afraid, you're feeling, well, what if I, you know, the, the attending feels like it's an inconvenience or this or that. Don't worry about that. Just go ahead. And if, if that's what you want to do, go ahead and ask them. Be as honest as you can say, I need a letter of recommendation. Can you write me one? As straightforward as possible.
1: Good. So if there was, One word of advice that you would give to people going through the same process right now, what would it be?
0: Stay strong. Believe in yourself. Keep going hard. Study hard. Give 100% of yourself that you are going to make it.
1: Excellent. I like it. Great. Well, thank you, Dr. Monica. Is there anything else that you'd like for our listeners to know before we wrap this up?
0: Uh, Thank you so much for having Mm -hmm. me, John. Uh, I think what I really want IMGs to feel is that If this is your dream, uh, you can't do it. You just have to put in the work. And after you're done, after you receive that email saying you've matched, you're not going to even remember everything that you're going through. So keep at it. Work hard. And you're going to make it.
1: That's beautiful. Thank you. And how can people reach you if they want to get in touch with you, if they have any questions?
0: Yes. uh, My email is i a s z monica at gmail.com or they can reach out to you and uh, we'll communicate
1: sounds good thanks again monica it's great having you on the show hopefully we have you on the show again sometime soon
0: thank you so much for having me john it's such an honor and i would love to be here anytime um, that you need me
1: that'd be great my pleasure if you haven't already please subscribe rate and review the podcast share it with your friends Get this message out there because this is a time where a lot of people are skeptical and they're saying, I'm an older grad, I'm an IMG, it's getting more difficult for us, what do I do? Well, we want to show you that there is hope. Actually, right now is the best time to match as an IMG. You know, our match rates have gone up from about 48% in 2010 when I graduated to 61% this year. And that's a significant jump. So you can do it. You will do it. Just don't give up. And I hope to see you in the next episode.